Welcome to the Gridiron Show, and we're coming to you ahead of a massive Week 11 slate of games, loads of them to get into with you. Uh, plus, we're going to be hearing from Matt Sherry. They were out in Cleveland for the Battle of the Browns. Miles Garrett now suspended indefinitely, and we're going to hear from the Scottish Hammer himself. That's all coming up here on the Gridiron Show. Uh, you're listening to The Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, I've got Ollie Hunter joining me in his pants from somewhere just south of London. Morning, Ollie. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I am fine. Not quite in my pants, but uh, very, very close. I refuse to believe it. Yeah, that's fair. That <laughs> if, if you're in anything but your pants, I'm disappointed. Genuinely. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a genuine disgrace. Um, look, well, we've not been able to see each other this week. You had the flu, and then since then, it's it's been we've been like passing ships in the night. But uh, it has been actually, yeah. We, we we kind of tried to do this a couple of times, but I actually did manage to. I've been doing the early shift on Talksport Two, doing their breakfast show, and uh, I managed to actually catch up with uh, with Matt Sherry on the show this morning because it was coming straight off the action on Thursday night football. A brilliant divisional win for the Browns. A moment that kept their slim playoffs hopes alive and a moment that should have been a huge celebration, absolutely mired by what happened with Miles Garrett. Let's actually hear from, uh, I quickly spoke to Matt Sherry uh, this morning on TalkSport 2 and here was his little report from location and the experience he had in the locker room. Good morning, Will. How are you, buddy? Yeah, very well, pal. Thank you very well indeed. Look, uh, unbelievable scenes at the end of this game last night. Just tell us a little bit more about, about what happened. Yeah, I mean, just that the game was winding down to, to a conclusion and and Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback, decides that he, he actually instigates the, the whole thing at the start and decides that he's going to go after Miles Garrett, the outstanding defensive lineman for the Browns. And a, a fight ensues in which Rudolph attempts initially to take Garrett's helmet off and then Garrett literally just dragged him up by his helmet, took his helmet off and then as that happened, a couple of other Steelers came in and Garrett just kind of instinctively swings the helmet and, and hits Rudolph right on the top of the head. It's a really, really nasty scene and one for which I'm, I'm sure he'll be punished quite severely. When you say punished quite severe, severely, uh, what do you think's the potential fallout from this? I, I could see him being suspended for the rest of the season. Um, now that that would be that would be a, a rare suspension in terms of harshness for something like this, particularly with a player who doesn't have a a history of suspensions. But I think that the I think that it's just so egregious that they may do it. There was a a player, Vontaze Perfect, for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals who was suspended right at the start of the season for the whole year. Now Perfect had a a track record and a, and a bad history and had been suspended several times before. But I just think with the with the spectre of head injuries and concussions around the NFL and, and the way that the optics are of that, that, that we could see the NFL really bring the hammer down for this one. Uh, and look, it was a win for a Browns team who have just won back-to-back games to keep very, very faint playoff hopes alive. You went into the locker room after the game. What was the mood like? A despondence, a really weird mood. Um, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. said it, it, it felt like a loss um, because of what had happened. Baker Mayfield called out Garrett on on TV after the game. Uh, Garrett himself um, took a different turn. He felt that it hadn't overshadowed the game and 
but he did he did show contrition when asked about it as well. So he was a little bit more mixed in 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 his response. But yeah, it was a weird it was a weird atmosphere, and the Browns themselves uh, essentially tried to make it so that there was as few players around as possible when the media got in. It took a long time for the media to be allowed in longer than usual. The police came out of the locker room at one point as well. So I don't know whether that Garrett was spoken to by them, but that, that's pure speculation on my part. But yeah, so it was just a very unusual scene. I mean, I've never seen any of those things happen before. I've never seen the police leaving a locker room. I've never seen it take quite so long for them to let the media in. And then I've never seen a team more despondent, I guess, after a, after a, what, as you say, a huge divisional victory that keeps very faint playoff hopes alive. Matt Sherry speaking to us uh, on TalkSport 2, uh, the Gridiron Show, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter. Did you stay up for this one last night? Do you know what? I completely forgot all about it, but I woke up. <laughs> I love um, that. Did you put your I pick woke in? Up in the morning? Yeah, I got. I picked the Browns actually. Well done. Um, and I woke. I woke up in the morning, and I thought, "Oh no, what's gone on? What's happened here?" And you know, you go, you trawl through all of the footage, and there was a, a couple of stuff went out where the, there wasn't much. Um, that there wasn't any uh, commentary on on it, or the commentary was quite sparse. Um, but the, the 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 pictures I think tell a, a real a real story of um, a brawl of two halves probably. So uh, from my point of view, and I know everybody's gone through it and they've lambasted Miles Garrett, and so they should. But I think Mason Rudolph really does has got away with it. If 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 he indeed does get away with it, I think he um, he kicks. He kicks Miles Garrett in the ghoulies. He tries to rip off Garrett's helmet. Stuff is said, and then Garrett reacts, and he shouldn't react. And the way, you know, the red mist descends, we've all had red mist descend, in, in, be it in um, violent altercations or verbally or whatever. So I can understand where Garrett's coming from. And if I just um, just read Cameron Jordan, Saints, uh, Saints, Friend of the show, but since defensive uh, defensive lineman, he said, I can't justify what Miles did, but to put the entire blame on Miles, explain normal wrap up, normal takedown, QB loses his mind, continue. You know, I, I'm, I kind of agree with him. I, I, he says it, it, the whole narrative is, is a little bit far fetched. How about a QB starts to brawl, tries to rip off DE's helmet, who then gets jumped by an offensive lineman and swings erratically? I think he's gone a bit too far, but for me, I can't see how it's entirely his fault. He shouldn't have done it. There's an extent to which I'm with you, and obviously there's no condoning Miles Garrett's behaviour regardless of what happened. And this is a player who has punched a player this season. It's a player who's had a couple of cheap shots as well. Miles Garrett, apparently for a guy whom we've, we've not... Uh, I've not chatted to him personally. I know we've had him on uh, the show and in the magazine before, but apparently very intelligent, apparently well thought out. But you do have this kind of dichotomy between the man you are on the field and the man you are off the field. And, you know, sometimes those most brutal of players, when they come off the field, behave totally differently. We've got Cliff Averill coming in studio uh, today, next week, so next Friday. And I'm going to be fascinated to hear what he thought of the whole incident. I know we'll be a week away from it then, but just to get his perspective as a pass rusher, you know, if a, if a uh, if he'd been treated that way by a quarterback 
The fact is, is that regardless of what happens, you can't justify the swinging of the helmet. That's the one moment that you just say, look, if he'd, even if he'd thrown a punch, it's that use of what's a weapon against somebody who is defenceless because you've ripped the helmet off their head. And I think what's been interesting, you heard from Matt there talking about the reaction from the locker room and the reaction from, you saw Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham calling it ugly after the game and you heard them talking about how this feels like a loss now at this point. And then there was Baker Mayfield speaking with Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Andrews on the field afterwards and here's what he had to say uh, basically describing the behaviour as a disgrace I don't care rivalry or not uh, we can't do that that's just endangering the other team it's inexcusable he knows that um, I hope he does now it's just it's tough um, the reality is he's going to get suspended uh, we don't know how long and that hurts our team it's inexcusable Baker Mayfield speaking on the broadcast afterwards and I tell you what I find interesting about this situation I, I think like Morky's Pounce he's had is it a two game suspension or, or certainly at least a game, game suspension three game and then that's deserved as well he as much as there is a defend the quarterback argument he continued once Garrett was on the ground he threw kicks he threw punches it wasn't acceptable I think Rudolph should find some kind of suspension because of the attempt to rip off his helmet in the first place and then once his helmet came off getting up in the player's face those are both things that you know if you give him a game I think that would be perfectly deserved as well but I'll tell you what I find interesting outside of this situation is as much as for Cleveland this feels like a loss and as much as for Cleveland Miles Garrett is going to be a huge loss for the rest of the season considering that it's a huge win over the Steelers and actually with the Steelers coming up with the Dolphins next week I think with the Jets maybe still to play as well certainly a run in that is favourable this is a team who could end the season 500 or even ridiculously 9-7 and seven and you know pushing for a playoff place with a very different narrative from where they were when they were 5-2-6 and two, six and two one thing I think is a weird positive is the way that Baker Mayfield's come out of this after a few weeks where people had their real doubts about him he had some good throws in the game but I think afterwards the maturity he showed in that interview it it could prove a little bit of a turning point for him I think the 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 time of the timing of the interviews is key um he's not been briefed He's not had to be briefed. But if you go into the locker room and, and some of the guys that things have said on both sides, um, that they've, they've, it's not been managed, which I think is a positive. And neither is Baker. And the, the, the fact that it's, he's still in his cleats and his, in his uniform just shows that it was straight afterwards. He didn't have time to fully process it and, and, and try and manage it. And he just, he said what he felt, which I think is a a massive positive. And it shows kind of, I think that shows the sort of leadership that, um, people, Browns fans, Baker Mayfield fans, people on the team want to see just, I think some of the reaction has been a little bit hysterical. That's all I'm saying. And, but what has happened can galvanize both clubs, I think. So for the Steelers, they can use this to, as a launch pad. And also for the Browns, right, we've lost our main man. Let's let's all um, gather around together and, and really push on to the end of the season. The Browns have got a nice run in as well. So, um, yeah, I think actually for a, a thing which, um, which wasn't great for both sides can actually be turned into a positive. From a Steelers perspective, what I think I would say is that I, it was a dreadful performance offensively. They did manage to put the one touchdown okay. up, but it was after four defensive penalties kept that drive alive. And I know that they've had real, real uh, horror issues with uh, injuries and the like, but 
honestly, right now, as good as their defence has been, their offence just can't carry them in big games. And, and unless they make a switch, unless they sign somebody off the streets who proves to be good, unless something changes, they're not going to be a good team this season, unfortunately, as much as you know, four wins in their last five or five in their last six, whatever it was before Thursday night, had made them look decent. Um, very funny, Craig Gurney, legend Craig Gurney, uh, was messaging me throughout the game, as was Connor Mallon. I didn't stay up for the whole game, but what I did do was, because I was doing the early shift on TalkSport, I woke up at 3am and watched the last two quarters live. I was messaging Sherry and Gurney and Connor from all inside the stadium, getting their kind of opinion on what had come before, etc. And uh, and Gurney texted me just saying, you know, the best player in this game has been the Scottish punter. <laughs> and we can hear from him now, because Jamie Gillan, the Scottish hammer, was caught up with by our very own Matthew Sherry in the locker room after the game. No Miles Garrett chat, none of that. All about him, his career, his journey to the NFL. I think it's a really fascinating, really interesting chat. And uh, and yeah, so we thought we'd bring that to you uh, all kind of six or seven minutes of it. Enjoy. Here in the Cleveland Browns locker room with the Scottish hammer himself, Jamie Gillen. Um, just chatting to you off camera. You sound like a guy who's living the dream a little bit at the minute. I definitely am. The American dream, as they'd say, uh... They come from Pine Bluff to here is quite an experience, but just taking, soaking it all in, enjoying everybody and, and everything around Cleveland and just make sure I punt the ball well on Sundays, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, for, for guys in the UK who maybe aren't familiar with your story, I mean, it's an incredible one, isn't it? You know, through Facebook, you end up in college. Just, just talk us a little bit through that story and, and how you landed here. Uh, it was all kind of a big... Uh, it was the stars aligned I guess you know I, I just made uh, a, cu- a couple of moves here and there that ended up working in my favour but not just through me my dad helped me out with decisions uh, what my dad and my mom, my family and then uh, Coach Woodburn uh, helping me out too and just making little decisions here and there that ended up being that full scholarship to, on, through Facebook and then thanks to my good friend Trent who happened to put the my highlight fi- film onto the post and then I got the full scholarship and I'd had a couple of uh, good ones that night and I actually forgot I'd even uh, accepted the scholarship and woke up in the morning like, what have I just done? And uh, yeah, then we I ended up going to Pine Bluff four days later. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's lots of stories circulating online about you basically kicking the air out of footballs. Is that accurate? How many, how many did you do it? Uh, I did. It was three or four of them and it was... I just didn't know what was going on because I guess it was because it was cold. I mean, it, I was training in the off-season in Arkansas and we don't have any indoor facilities, so I'm out there punting in like 24, 20 degrees uh, in the morning and stuff because I was helping out the strength and conditioning coach. And I just, one week when I'm practicing, punting every ball, like one ball that day, all the ball that day, I'm like, what is going on? I'm calling Wilson. They're like, yeah, well, you have to do this stuff to return it. And I, it was just a big faff. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I just punt. I just punt the other balls. They're all shaped the same, you know. So and uh, then uh, Cleveland and uh, the Forty Nine ers sent me some footballs, and that was like Christmas, you know. <laughs> what? Um, I mean, where does it come from? The punt? I guess. I guess rugby. Yeah. Yeah, just rugby, man. I mean, anybody that has known me when I was a young kid, going to rugby, with my dad on Saturdays, I, I would go. I'd go early with my dad and just kick rugby balls all day, practicing conversions. You know, I'd, uh, one of the books I read was Johnny Wilkinson, How to Play Rugby My Way. My mom or my granny had bought it from a charity shop, and I'd read that about his theory on torpedo punts, as he called it, and uh, place kicking. And I just learned everything through that, and we're just going practice it. I just love sports, so that's all I did. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a rich history of, of Scottish specialists in the NFL. You know, Lawrence Tynes, the, the former Giants kicker, Graham Gino. What is it about Scotland that seems to churn out NFL kickers and punters? I don't know. Maybe it's because it's the easiest position on the field to just kick back and relax on the sideline. I mean, I don't know. Um, I guess good uh, soccer players, uh, well, our football players. Uh, there's, plenty, there's plenty of guys I know that definitely have legs to be kickers in... Um, college level for sure um, out here because they've just you grew up you grew up with a, a football a soccer ball as they call it here so I know guys with some big legs uh, especially goalkeepers imagine goalkeepers doing kickoffs and stuff they'll go back of the end zone all day so I just got uh, I got lucky with my dad being stationed in Maryland and just being able to grasp this opportunity and take it uh, but there's, I know, especially I know a lot of rugby players that could transfer their skills really well over to the American football side if they wanted to. It's, it's a bit, it's a good alley. I would, I'd recommend it. <laughs> Any interest in, 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 you know, heading back and trying to try to do something to make that happen? You know, a, a story like this can can be a catalyst for something like that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I might as well just say it now. I'm planning on coming back in the off season, and I'm going to come back for a good four weeks, and I'm going to get in touch with some people, try and get some uh, the Browns to send some footballs over overseas and just have like a little kicking camp and just see what people have and just show them this is what you can do and it's it's it, it is hard but it you can you can do it if you have a natural ability to kick a ball um and just there's so many i mean you see how college football is out here that's mega rich and full scholarships and everything available and i would i wouldn't have gone to university back home you know i'm not the brightest <laughs> person ever so but they gave me a full scholarship and they don't just throw you into class they've got so many alleys to help you get through classes so they helped me get through college as well it was it was awesome i spent a bit of time in the stands tonight um it's not much different cleveland to inverness is it certainly with how cold it is how are you acclimatizing to it right oh i'm i'm, I'm doing all right i mean it's with uh down on the sideline we've got these big uh, engine blowers that are blasting out heat got these little kangaroo hand warmer things with uh, heat warmers in it I'm roasting out there well, until I run out on the field I'm like oh man let's get this over with no I'm not like that but uh, we, it's, it's, it's good I mean we, we put a lot of practice in me Austin and Charlie we, we make sure we go out even when it, was, it snowed a lot this week but we still went out on the field and got some um, snow weather kicking and punting in because you know especially going through this kind of season um, in Cleveland we're probably going to get some snow games and you've got to get acclimatised to it and just finally, what was it like the first time in a regular season game you went out there? You know, it must be, and I, I get that you've done it in college, but it just must be incredibly surreal given the story. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, I just remember running out the tunnel and just the ground vibrating from the crowd going crazy. You know, the Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland fans are the, the, the best in the league, in my opinion. They're loyal and they are passionate and you can just feel the energy in the stadium. So when I got out there, I was like, this is awesome. And I just immediately knew I'm, I, I was loving it as it was. But when I came out into the game, I was like, this is, this is awesome. I, I want to do this for a while. You're listening to The Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, I've got Ollie Hunter alongside me. That was Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer, speaking with our very own Matthew Sherry. Should we try and put this whole horrible incident behind me? No, I don't mean the state of the Steelers' offence uh, behind us and, and get on with looking forward to Sunday and Monday. I think he really should be called the Scottish Claymore. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. It really should be as a, as a nice little NFL Europe throwback, and you know the, the way he's punting, um, it, uh, it, just stunning stuff from him. Um, a bit like a Claymore sword slicing through 
special. No, I've I've pushed it too far. I've pushed it too far. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on. All right, let's look forward to Sunday's slate of games. There's some good games in all of the windows, but I think the one game that I wish was on Sunday Night Football this week actually happens at 6 o'clock as the Houston Texans take on the Baltimore Ravens. This very much could be a game which decide who ends up in the number two seed at least. Still one seed contention for both these teams if the Patriots drop a couple of games, particularly the Ravens. A couple of dual-threat quarterbacks. A couple of quarterbacks who are in the top three in the MVP race, I think we'd both argue, certainly. Uh, you know, this is this is just two great, teams playing hopefully a great game of football oh god yeah and Texans coming off the bye but that big big win against the Jaguars and the Ravens what how many in a row six in a row five in a row including victories over the Patriots and the Seahawks and putting a near 50 burger over the Bengals last week two quarterbacks which are are transforming the league and their fortunes it's a really really fun fun game given that um, both offences look great, both defences look great. What a game. And you're right, it should be the 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 the, the Sunday night football. Why wasn't it flexed? Balmy. Ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, I'm excited to see, obviously, what Deshaun Watson and, and what Lamar Jackson put up in this game. Of course I am. Um, the Texans' defence looked really good last time out, but it was, let's be honest, when they were over in London against a pretty... Pretty, pretty, pretty uh, anemic Jaguars side. They've had a week off to work out how they're going to look up front without J.J. Watt and how they're going to try and shut down the Ravens. Hopefully, with that extra week of scheming, we'll see uh, We'll see uh, Bill O'Brien et al. put something together. I actually think that with the quality of his passing this season and the fact that it's in Baltimore, that they should be the favourites going into this game. And actually, I'm excited to see what Sean Watson can uh, do against this, um, against this Ravens defence because... Marcus Peters has looked brilliant since he came in on this trade. A couple of long picks, a couple of interceptions for touchdowns. Um, they've they've had some uh, like you feel like as the season's gone on, Earl Thomas has developed into the role. It's a very very different role to the one he used to play in Seattle, where essentially he played often as a single high safety, and and your job is to sit back there and read the field, and and you're not doing too much complex within the system. You're just expected to be an instinctive, quick. You know, speedy player who's going to be able to make big plays. In this, you're expected to do a lot more schematically, and it feels like it's taken him eight or nine weeks to get into that, but he looks really good now at this point. Uh, and you just look at the talent on the field, the the kind of the Hopkins of this world, the Marquis Brown on the other side, great run games, offense, decent offensive lines, even the Texans one, which is standing up to some scrutiny in recent weeks. They just... I've gone for the Ravens because they're the home team and I think that Lamar Jackson against the Texans defence is the the biggest mismatch in the game but honestly I I could have gone either way and I think it will be a really exciting tight game of football Yeah, I can't disagree with that it's um, given the two quarterbacks involved and and two pretty good head head coaches as well coaching teams I know Bill O'Brien's um, pooped the bed a couple of times before, but John Harbour, especially at home, I can. I, even if it was, I think in Houston, I'd still go for the Ravens. They're on a roll. Although the NFL, like with the Saints last week against the Falcons, does spring up some weird results. 
and maybe this is this could be one, but not for me. I'm taking the Ravens. It also makes the game going on in Indianapolis particularly interesting because if the Texans do drop this game, uh, whoever wins that Titans-Jags game, we're, uh, sorry, in Indianapolis, in te- Tennessee, they're playing in Indianapolis next week, sorry. Uh, that game in Tennessee, it does become a little bit interesting, that one, a little bit tasty uh, in that game and, and seeing who's going to come out of that one on top because the Colts then face the Texans on Thursday night football in this division. You could practically have a whole division of, of eight and eight teams, or 500 teams, I mean, even, come kind of Friday morning. It's it's ridiculous where we're getting to with that division at the moment. So, uh, yeah, a really, really intriguing game and kind of matches up nicely with a few of the other games around the league. Hold on, who are the Jags playing this week? Why do different people seem to have different things on their schedules? They are playing Indianapolis. I thought they were. They're playing the Titans next week. Fine. Ignore what I said yeah. about the Titans, but everything else I said stands. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. It's the yeah, Titans, is it stands. the Titans bye week? Is that why there was some confusion? I think it might have been the Titans bye That's week. It. I'm all over the, the shop. So the Jags go to Indianapolis. They take on the Colts. And the Jags, they have to have a bounce back, but no better time to do it than after a bye and you've switched your quarterback. Nick Foles, Super Bowl winner coming in. Do you think that's going to have a big enough effect against actually quite a depleted Colts defence. I think it's going to be interesting to see what they what ends up happening on the offensive side of the ball, actually, because I think that their defence can make plays with the likes of Darius Leonard, etc. Um, I, I, I think that Brissett starting, no T.Y. Hilton to assist him, but how good how much of a state is he going to be? What is he going to look like after the timeout? There was talk because there was talk of him being ready to go next week, last week, and he didn't quite make it in time. You think that with that extra week, he should be fully healthy. But the Jags' defense, despite putting up an absolute turkey while they were in London, uh, just across the board, you do think that they could cause uh, any quarterback problems. Whether it's uh, a Brian Hoyer who clearly isn't good enough for the NFL anymore, or a Jacoby Brissett who's slightly banged up, even a fully healthy Jacoby. So I think it's an intriguing game, but I'm still taking the Colts. It's amazing that we're saying that about Jacoby Brissett, that um, he's that much more of a difference than a healthy Brian Hoyer when he has looked out. But he's looked pretty decent this year when he has been healthy. But um, uh, do you know what? I'm going to take the Jags. I think the Jags will do this. The, the, The Foles effect... Leonard Fournette has looked good so far this year. That defense has looked more settled. I know... I think the the London thing was a bit of um, an anomaly, and um, I, I think the Jags are a more settled side since since Ramsey left, especially on defense. So yeah, I think um, I think with the the few issues that the Colts have on offense, the, the Jags defense should come through. I'm taking the Jags. Brilliant. Awesome stuff. Right. Um, the other game I wanted to talk about, and then we'll ping through our predictions, uh, because, you know, you've got to go to bed and I've got to go do some actual work, uh, is the Super Bowl 52? 52 replay? What are we on now? 54. So, yeah, the Super Bowl 52 replay, the first time these two teams have faced each other since then, the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the New England Patriots. It's in Philadelphia. Um, Tom Brady has admitted that that win for Philly still bugs them, despite the fact that England rebounded and uh, won their sixth title last season. He said it's a lot of mental scar tissue from that year, a tough game in a lot of ways. Um, And he said this isn't the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters. This is a team who are tough, they're competitive, they will fight for everything. They've got a great quarterback in Carson Wentz. Um, They're coming off, I think, a bye, or I think they're both coming off a bye, aren't they, in fact? So... 
Look, uh, it's it's interesting. I think. Well, I'm interested to see particularly what the Patriots do with Nikhil Harry, who's back off IR, activated after the loss to Baltimore, and, and has worked out throughout the uh, throughout the the week off during the bye week. Um, I, I'm interested to see what the Eagles do on their run offense because Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders are combined for 861 yards and seven touchdowns, and they've just signed Jay Ajayi onto the team as well. Uh, and yeah, I and and with Jason Peters potentially due to be back at that left tackle position as well against that very good defence. It's how do the Patriots bounce back from the Ravens loss and do the and do Philly have that little philosophical philosophical psychological edge over them to uh, to you know cause them some problems in Philly and, and maybe get a, a big win in that nine twenty five slot. I think it's a really interesting game. Really interesting game. The psychological edge is is a thing. It is a thing. It must be given that Brady's spoken about it. Um and I think the Eagles might try, especially with the signing of Ajay. Um, Howard is questionable at the last, or today's, Friday's injury report, but perhaps he'll be ready. But Ocean Jeffrey being out again is is a big one because offensively, especially receiving-wise, the Eagles haven't really clicked. Nelson Aguilar isn't catching balls on a regular basis. So are they going to use a three-headed monster uh, of, a, of a run game? especially with Darren Sproles now placed on my arm. Are they going to use that and try and pound the rock, pound this New England run defense, which isn't great, hasn't been great? Um, are they going to pound them into submission and, and grind them down that way? But Bill Belichick is, is notoriously good for, for performing off the back of a bye, especially off the back of a defeat. And he's had a long time to prepare for this. It's a really, really intriguing game. If it was in New England, 100% take the Patriots. As it's in Philly, I'm re- I, was, I'm think, I think on the Gridiron Pick'em game, uh, the Picks Challenge, I think I've taken New England. But the more I'm thinking about it, I think I might switch it and go to Philly. I'm excited for the game, but I do think that coming off a bye uh, with the coaching and coming off a loss, I just don't see Belichick dropping back-to-back games. So I'm taking the Patriots on that basis. But, you know, again, I expect a good game out of this. And when there's a good game, there's always the possibility that you'll get an upset. Let's just rattle through the other games and give our picks for them uh, for the weekend so people know where we're currently sat. Uh, You know, a quick three-minute speed round. Let me know if you have anything to say about each of the games. We'll start off with the New Orleans Saints against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're in Tampa Bay. Divisional game, form out the window, yada, yada, yada. The Bucs did have looked good the last two weeks with the tough loss on the road to the Seahawks and the win over the Cardinals. Saints team too strong? It's a weird one because the Saints were really bad last week. Really bad. But they can't... It's a bit like um, what you said with Belichick and the Pats. You can't expect them to be that bad again. So I'm taking the Saints, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Buccaneers somehow uh, upset the odds. But yeah, Saints for me. An absolute dirt bowl between the Jets and Washington. I mean, I've taken the Jets. I don't even know why at this point. Can I get a tie again? Yeah, just leave it as a tie. Terrible game. I don't get Vikings, a very, very different team when they are at home in that six o'clock window as well. The Broncos are coming off their bye after the win over the Browns and tough loss against the Colts have, have bounced back a little bit of late, but I don't expect them to go and beat the Vikings on the road. No, me either. Vikings home win for me. Lovely. Uh, the uh, Anything to say about the Buffalo Bills in Miami to face the Dolphins? Do you know what? I think the Bills 
Carl Allen, uh, sorry, Josh Allen. Carl's uh, the other Allen that's uh, in Carolina. Two Allens. I, I don't think, yeah, <laughs> double Allen. I don't think Just Josh Allen. Allen's very good in any way. And Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick's playing really well. It wouldn't surprise me if the Dolphins won this. Really wouldn't. Three on the bounce. Sure. Surely not. Madness. I'm the Dolphins. Oh, you're mental. I'm taking the uh, I'm taking the, the the bills on the road, but maybe, just maybe, who knows? It'd be it'd be amazing if they did it. It would it'd honestly, be crazy, yeah. those Dolphins win three in a row and completely fall out of the the race, not only for the top seed but the top two seeds. It uh, just madness, absolute madness. Pray for Clancy. Pray for Clancy, indeed. Uh, the Jags Colts we've talked about. Cowboys in Detroit to face the Lions. It's the game that they'll be on for the Gridiron Tour after they've been to Michigan, Michigan State tonight. When it comes to seeing prime players, big players uh, live in the stadium, missed out on Deshaun Watson a couple of years ago, and now the lads are missing out on Matthew Stafford, who... He's a fun player to watch. He's he's tough. He's he, he's a really good passer. He was having a really good season. For that reason, I'm going to take the Cowboys because I don't trust the backup quarterback against uh, the Dallas Cowboys, even though uh, Jason Garrett, um, the better of the Garretts this week, even though Jason Garrett uh, has, has, has his limitations as a head coach, I expect the Cowboys to beat a backup quarterback in Detroit. The Falcons were brilliant on the road last week against the Saints, but I'm not sweating Carolina at home. And in fact, if I was picking Falcons Saints again 10 more times, I'd pick the Saints every time, despite the result last week. So I'm taking the Panthers. I feel the same about the Raiders against the Bengals as well. Um, I kind of feel like the same about the Rams over the Bears because of the offense. Any of those games that you look at and, and fancy something a bit different? Not for me. Not really. for me, Biggie. Not um, for me, really. So, Panthers look good, and the Raiders better coached, better players, and the Rams, the, the, the Bears' offense is dreadful. It's just what are Cardinals going to do against your 49ers? So, for my money, this is a game that some people are thinking is a bit of a trap game off the back of the, the loss on Monday night. I, I pulled the bandage off, and I went back and watched it again in a less emotional, slightly less drunk state. I think the 49ers... Uh, for large stretches, played well in that game. And with the injuries and with the unfortunate things and with the nature of Russell Wilson and everything else, it's a game that you play that game for a seven-game series and you see one of those two teams coming out four to three, either of them. And so I'm not stressing too much about it and I'm taking the 49ers at home. There's a long injury list. Joe Staley is is definitely out. DJ Jones is definitely out. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, George Kittle, Robbie Gould, uh, Matt Breeder all haven't practiced this entire week all of which are doubtful or questionable um, there's, a, there's a long injury list a really long injury list of some key players but oh, do I trust Kyler Murray you could lose another game you I'm really not, could. well we're going to lose another game over the coming weeks I don't just don't think it's going to be this weekend I don't think it's going to be this one I'm taking the 49ers just trying to get your buddy and finally, Monday Night Football, the Chiefs face the Chargers in Mexico um, at the Azteca Stadium on that turf. You've been there, you've experienced it, you've experienced the, the atmosphere around the stadium and what it's like there. The Chiefs have fallen to 6-4, and four, dropped four of their past six after going 4-0, and oh, allowing Oakland to get within a half game of the division lead. Oh, it's kind of maybe a little bit tasty, but I'm still going to take just the Chiefs' talent over the Chargers' talent on neutral soil. 
do you know what? I think so as well. I do think so as well. That, that, although, can they lose that, another one, the Chiefs? But the Chargers are so chargery. They're so up and down. After, after that last eight throws of Philip Rivers against the Raiders, I refuse to, to give them any love at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll take the Chiefs. <laughs> Good, and because I need to go and do some uh, work on air. Uh, wonderful stuff, Ollie Hunter. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, Willie. Have a lovely wedding. Thank you, mate. It's not my wedding, to be very clear. Right. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, uh, Ollie Hunter at UK Gridiron on Instagram, Gridiron on Twitter.